the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. The message this morning is loving Jesus with conviction. And our text is taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 to 10. Paul writes, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, in your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with a joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. I had a privilege of visiting uh, Hearst Castle a few years back for the first time, and uh, we did this uh, little tour of a section of this massive estate. I don't know if you've been there, but it's quite huge. And uh, we entered several rooms, and I noticed that many of those rooms uh, were cordoned off. There was a demarcation line that says, do not go past this line. But as the, the tour goes on and, and as things get interested, I find my step, myself stepping within those bounds without even knowing it. And uh, I, I wasn't even paying attention until I, I hear the, the, the guy doing the tour saying, sir, would you please step back out? And then I did it again. And then I was told again. That's what convictions are all about. 
It's about lines in life that we should or should not cross. Now, as followers of Jesus, we have those convictions with regards to how we live. What we allow in our lives and what we reject from our lives. They are a product of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 15, Jesus clearly told his disciples in terms of his relationship with them. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will be fruitful. Then he says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. What is the product of our relationship with Jesus? Because whatever the nature or whatever the quality of, of our relationship with Jesus Christ must be governed by a set of convictions. And so we need to ask ourselves the question, what's the product of our relationship with Jesus? Well, there are three prominent products that are a recurring theme in the New Testament in which our convictions must be governed. These are the three things that Paul wrote about, especially in the, in the New Testament uh, letters that he wrote. And we're all familiar with them, right? Our convictions are founded and are governed by three things. Faith, hope, and love. And we read that those three things in the famous uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 love passage. So conviction is all about faith, hope, and love. Faith in Jesus, hope in Jesus, and love for Jesus. Everything about what we do as followers of Jesus are founded on those three pillars that govern our conviction. Okay? It's all for the sake of Jesus. Those three things govern our conviction when it comes to our expression of worship. They're governed by faith, by hope, by love. And here's another thing that you and I must recognize. These are the three things that the devil will attack us on. Okay, And it's very important for us to be cognizant of that. Now, the devil is not interested in you putting your faith and hope and your love in him. He could care less. He understands nothing about faith, hope, and love. So he doesn't care whether you put faith, hope, and love in him. But he is interested in taking away our faith, hope, and love away from Jesus. That's important. It's an important distinction. And we might be thinking, well, I, you know, I've heard that before, but what does it matter uh, as to my relationship with Jesus? It, it has everything to do with what governs our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, sometimes we give the devil so much credit thinking that, you know, he's trying to get us to, to worship him uh, by putting our faith, hope, and love in him. No, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, some demons are scared of you. They're afraid that you'll possess them. That's meant to be a joke. You're supposed to laugh at that. So it was, I think it was Josh McDowell who said 
these words. He says, I'm not a Christian because God changed my life, per se. I am a Christian because of my convictions about Jesus Christ. I think it's very true. So if I were to come up with a biblical definition of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, I would put it in these terms. It is faith acted in love resulting in the power of hope. And Jesus is at the center of all of that. So if we are to say we love Jesus, we have to love him with convictions. And our convictions are governed in those three areas. Faith, hope, and love. So how do we show How do we even know that we are loving Jesus with convictions? Three things this morning, okay? Number one, we know that we're loving Jesus with conviction when we continue to doing what is good in the face of wrongful conduct being shown to us, okay? That's the result of faith. If you want to know that your faith is strong in terms of your convictions in following Jesus, a telltale sign is that you and I continue to do what is good in the face of wrong conditions. Look at verses 2 and 3 once again. Paul says, We are always thankful to God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before God and Father your work produced by faith. People of faith will continue to do the right things in the face of injustice, in the face of wrong things being done to them, being committed against them. Followers of Jesus will continue to do the right things, the good things, even if it's going to cost us great personal disadvantage, even harm. Now, Paul was writing to a bunch of Christians in Thessalonica who were under severe persecution from all over the place. They were being persecuted by their their Roman captors. They're being persecuted by their own people. There's persecution among themselves. I mean, they're being attacked on every side. And yet, their conviction to do the right things always persisted. Their conviction about Jesus was so strong that not even the injustices that they were going through can stop them from doing the things that they know are right and true. No suffering and persecution causes them to compromise their faith. They, they still did what was right in the sight of God, and even if it means being taken advantage of. Now, that's hard to fathom in our society today because we know very little about self-denial. We are a very litigious society. We're all about our rights. And I'm not saying we shouldn't fight for our rights. But what I'm saying is even those rights, if they're violated, it's not an excuse for us not to do the good things that we're supposed to do, the right things that we're supposed to do. How far are we willing to go in doing good and doing the right things at the expense of personal disadvantage? Okay, I need to address this for a little bit. The massive demonstrations going on in the major cities in the country today that often results in lawlessness and violence gives us a glimpse of what can happen when convictions about what is good is replaced by anger and fury (laughs) 
and without faith in God as a foundation of our response. It can lead to a lot of blurry thinking and sometimes just downright stupid responses. Many of our leaders are using the, this coronavirus crisis and the social injustice brought about by acts of racism as political tools. And it's stirring up a lot of anger and divisions and it's resulting in wildly uh, dangerous behaviors that can have dire and severe consequences. Why? Because they are not founded in the right convictions. To us, our convictions are governed by our, by our faith in Jesus. And it doesn't matter what happens, we always fall back to those things that Jesus taught. That's what forms our convictions. Listen, the Christian trajectory is always towards forgiveness and reconciliation. It's always the right approach. From a Christian perspective, it is always forgiveness, restoration, and reconciliation. Not hate, not vengeance, not anarchy. Civil disobedience is fine for a Christian to practice, but it is always focused towards restoring, forgiving, and reconciling. It's focused on creating a, an atmosphere of healing, not creating more wounds by bringing up the past. The saddest thing, in my view alone, I'm speaking my own view of what's going on in America today, is how much this idea, the mistaken idea of the past horrors, of the past injustices, uh, has really been forgiven and forgotten. The fact of the matter is, the old wounds of the past hadn't been forgotten. And hadn't been forgiven. People are still holding on to the sins of the past. Because there's really never been any kind of attempt at, at forgiving, at reforming, restoring, and reconciling. Not because there's, there hasn't been any progress, but there hasn't been any real forgiveness. Any real restoration, any real reconciliation, because we keep on replacing forgiveness with fury. Why do you think people are knocking down the statues of people who lived hundreds of years ago? Why do you think people are doing that? Now, I'm not, I'm not going to get into where you stand on these things. You make up your mind whether this thing is right or wrong. Okay, whether to tear down statues or not. Here's what I think. There should never be any statues erected in to, to glorify human beings to begin with. They shouldn't have been there in the first place. Because when you erect the statue and you say, I'm going to honor this person, you better be ready to accept the fact that that person has and will always have been flawed. No one's perfect. The Bible says that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Why are we erecting statues with people on it? We should be glorifying God and not human achievement. I leave that up to you. I don't care where you stand on that one. 
But I believe the Bible teaches us to glorify God and God alone. And do not erect statues glorifying or doing whatever, honoring people whom we know are flawed. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter whether they have done a lot of great things. They're still flawed. That's why we're forbidden to do that. That's why God says, you know, in the Bible, if you, I was reading First and Second Kings. All of these kings, they were given the accolade of being righteous by doing what? By destroying the statues of false gods. It doesn't please God for us to erect statues for someone. It doesn't matter who they are. In fact, the Bible commands for us not to do any of that. Did God command the Israelites to erect a statue of Moses? I don't read that in the Bible. What about Abraham? The Bible says, erect me a statue of Joseph, of Elijah. The Bible says, erect a statue of Paul, the apostle, Peter, even Jesus. No. God always says, build me an altar. And in the Old Testament, that's an expression of their remembrance of the goodness of God in the form of a tabernacle. And in the New Testament, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's heart that He implanted His glory in a person's heart who calls on the name of Jesus to glorify Him by erecting the altar of gratitude, the altar of worship in the inside of our hearts. That's what the Bible teaches. And that's an area of conviction. No matter what we do on the outside, if it's founded on the wrong convictions, you know what? There's never going to be any real restoration or forgiveness or reconciliation because we're going to repeat the same things unless the heart is transformed, unless the, the heart is the altar where the presence of God sits. There will be no solution. There's no real answer. We can legislate however we want. We can destroy statues as much as we want. But unless we understand why we're doing it and what convictions brings us to that decision, we will always just do it out of how we personally feel. Now let's get this to a personal level. Let me ask a tough question this morning for all of us. How willing are we to forgive those who hurt us badly? So this is not just a national thing. This is also a personal thing. And I'm asking and talking to Christians this morning. How quick do we let go of our grudges? How long do we hang on to them? How about the things that are done to you at work? How do you feel about that co-worker getting away with cheating and dishonesty and getting a, a much larger bonus than you have? How do you feel about that as a Christian? You exerted more energy. You exerted more enthusiasm. You exerted more effort. And you were never recognized for it. What about at home? How do you feel about you're the only one doing all the loving in that relationship? Are you still willing to do the loving thing even though it's a one-sided road? The answer to this question goes to the heart of our convictions. 
And those convictions will either fuel, are either fueled by love for God or they're coming from some other place. Convictions are more than just a set of deeply held values and beliefs. They go deep inside our hearts. If in the inside we love to hate, it will fuel our convictions. If deep inside there is the love of Christ, it will fuel our conviction. King David in, Psalm, in the psalm said these words, Your words I have hidden in my heart, so I will not sin against you. That's a definitive statement of where David, David's convictions rest. Loving Jesus with conviction means your faith in Christ is stronger than the risk you take in order to demonstrate your faith. God rewards those who by faith persist in doing what is right and what is good. Romans 2, 7, Paul wrote, To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, He will give them eternal life. That's how much convictions are given worth by God in Scriptures. How doing good because of our convictions, because of our faith in Christ, will produce in us that reward. Another one, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I know that some of you here this morning, you're ready to unleash that wrath, that anger, that vengeance against the world, against someone. You're saying you've had it, enough is enough. But there's a still small voice speaking in the inside of your heart saying, don't do it. This is the way. Walk in a manner that gives glory to God. That's that still small voice of conviction. It's the Spirit of God speaking. And we better listen. Your husband cheated on you. And you're within your rights to cheat back. And you are ready to do it. But you decided to honor Jesus instead and remain faithful. How do you think Jesus will respond to that? The Bible says, my reward is with me. There is a reward for standing on our convictions. Trust me, God will always, always prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He will always invite us to dine with Him in the midst of wrong situations. The Bible is true. Those convictions have to be planted in our hearts. We need to persevere till the end with those convictions because one day that trumpet will sound or one day we will hear the trumpet and we will be called home and the Bible says we will be ushered into the presence of God by angels that's how I want to die but it matters how I live we need to live with convictions with the biblical convictions that we have. Number two, we know that we're loving Jesus with convictions by being gracious in the face of the worst challenges. Now, this is the issue of love. 
This is a result of love. Okay? Graciousness. Paul says, We thank the Father because of your work done by faith and your labor prompted by love. Conviction is all about grace in the midst of hardships. In fact, the word here for labor is the word kopos, which means severe hardships. The word labor sometimes is not a, not a strong enough word. But the, 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 the original word that was used here is the word severe hardship. Apparently, the Christians uh, Paul was writing to and commending at Thessalonica were not just doing good deeds in the midst of the injustices that are going on around them. Their conviction about Jesus compels, compels them to continue to be gracious even though they were really suffering severely. Nothing shakes our faith and love for God greater than the personal suffering we endure. The truest test of our conviction about Jesus is how we endure suffering in life. When we're facing challenges, difficulties, do we remain gracious? Do we remain gracious in the midst of these challenges, the worst challenges that we ever face? You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com.